CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in OA, part one is done. The S&P 500 closes out a big first half while the Nasdaq posts its best start to a year since 1983. But there's also a divergence brewing, the likes of which we've only seen a handful of times in the last 30 years. Then Apple, Tesla and Home Depot. What could those three names have in common? It's the urgency of using options now. We'll explain why. And the second half hits keep on coming. Personal playbooks for you, our viewers, when we answer your questions. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action Live from the NASDAQ Market Site on the desk tonight. My co Carter Worth and Brian Sutland. With the first half in the books, the growth trade is now the most crowded trade it's been in two years. So for the second half, do you stay bunched in those winners like everybody else, or do you look somewhere new or old, as the case may be? It's a case of lemmings versus lone wolves. <laughs> Carter Worth, what do the technicals tell us here? Right, so we have a circumstance, of course, where there are things that are just loved to the extent where one has to question, are they overloved? In fact, this week, if you look at the performance of the NASDAQ 100 up 1.9, the S&P, a broader index, beat it up 2.3, and the Russell 2000 beat it up almost 3.7. And that's really where alpha is going to be generated, I think, going forward here. Do you continue to favor the largest and steepest and most extended, most love names, or does one start to favor those that have lagged. And so if you look at some of the relationships between these indices, and we have some charts that will do that, uh, one way is to look at the relationship between the equal weight S&P and the actual S&P. And they have ETFs for this, RSP versus SPY. Now, that is simply a line that depicts one thing divided by another. If we put the moving average in, and you'll see in this next iteration, that this current circumstance, this overdone to the downside, was seen at the financial crisis low and the COVID low. So this is a very extreme reading. And what typically will happen from here, if things are okay, is that this starts to bounce, final chart of the three. Uh, Those arrows there, and that's a judgment, of course, mine, that you want to very much be in either an equal weight aggregate S&P, RSP versus SPY, or a small cap IWM versus SPY, than simply staying in the S&P and riding these very extended names. Now, earlier in June, when Carter had originally noted the beginnings of what he just outlined, Mike laid out a trade on the S&P equal weight ETF. Well, the market rallied and put that one firmly in the green. So, Mike, are you updating this one? Yeah, well, I think we need to. I mean, first of all, uh, the trade that we recommended were the July 145 calls. Those are now comfortably in the money. I think we uh, recommended those when it was less than two bucks a contract. Uh, they were about five and a half bucks a contract when I was looking at the closing prices uh, today. So I think it certainly would make some sense if you were only looking out to the end of July to roll those up. I think you should actually roll those up and out uh, to the September 150s. I own calls in RSP in September. I also own RSP uh, on this thesis, and I'm actually long puts on, on SPY and the triple Qs, essentially playing the thesis that Carter's talking about. Now, it's interesting if you just think about uh, you know, some other prices that we can think about other than just the fact that these have underperformed. RSP, just not that fundamentals are a good timing tool for trading. 
Uh, they aren't. But I think it is always important to have some context. And the fact is that the equal weight S&P 500 right now is trading at a discount to a multi-decade uh, average in terms of earnings, whereas the S&P is trading probably two turns to a, a premium. The other thing that I think is really interesting here, if you're looking out to September or October calls in RSP, is that those are actually also quite cheap. Uh, if you take a look at implied volatility, which is the cost of options, right now the implied volatility for at-the-money options in the September-October timeframe are about as low as they were on February 1st of 2020. So that was right before, essentially, all of the volatility that followed uh, you know, the onset, essentially, in the United States of the pandemic. So you have two things, essentially, working for you here. The fact that optionality is very cheap, and the fact that the index is, you know, a very reasonable valuation. And then you have the technical setup that Carter articulated. Yep. So, Brian, what's your take on this trade? Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, kudos to Mike on the call at the beginning of June, because through the month of June, RSP, as great as big tech and AI and the triple Qs have done or SPY, Spider ETF, S&P 500 ETF, RSP has actually outperformed that in the month of June, up about six and a half percent. So that trade, I think, is maybe just getting started. We saw a little bit of the outperformance at the beginning of the month, probably some rebalancing heading into the quarter. But this is setting up nicely for the next quarter that RSP continues to outperform as an ETF. So I really like Mike's idea of rolling this out. You've got cheap call options out to September that I'd be willing to buy and take a cheap shot to continue this outperformance and play a little catch up. I could just overlay this on a complete equity portfolio that I have to get some leverage on that to the upside and see if I can get some more outperformance from this equal-weighted S&P position. Well, revising the RSP trade is one way to play Carter's thesis. The other is to go with the good old Dow Diamond. So, Brian, you're going in that direction. Yeah, I, I am. And, uh, you know, speaking of underperformance, the Dow is one of those, well, ETF DIA is one way to play with options. But the Dow is really kind of underperformed and lagged the rest of the market. There's a lot of large-cap value involved in the Dow right now. And obviously, that hasn't been the most favorable thing this year to date, but I think it starts to also play catch up. And it's a similar trade to how Mike laid out is I'm using a call option. I'm looking out to the end of the quarter here, uh, end of September specifically. These things have gotten cheap enough here where I think I can buy these and play to the upside. I'm looking at the 344 strike call in the DIA. That's the diamond ETF that tracks the Dow Jones industrial average and spending just a little under $9. It's a little pricey right now when you first think about it, but these things don't run out of time value so quickly because this is a longer dated option. So I've got more time for this option to sort of work with me, trade around it. If we get more upside, you see there the break even 352 and a quarter. So anywhere above there, or I should say 352.75, anywhere above there, I get all the upside in the market. And maybe the Dow is another one of those areas that plays catch up with the rest of the market. Here. Carter, how's the chart look for the Dow? Right. So again, if you think about the Dow versus the S&P, while one is 30, uh, stocks and its price weighted, the other is 500 and its market cap weighted, they actually have a correlation of 90% or higher on any given mm. three months, three years, 10 years. Now, these comparative charts you'll see here, and we can roll through them quickly, SPY versus DIA, uh, that's the first of two, now the second, now the third. When you have a spread like this, this is one way to look at it, but the better way is to show a ratio chart similar to the RSP-SPY. And so what we have now 
uh, basically at the end of Q3, the spread, the Dow was ahead of the S&P because Apple and Google and all things were on their knees. Now we've got the exact opposite circumstance. So just as it was right to fade the Dow relative to the S&P, now it's right to fade the S&P relative to the Dow. The reading now is the third most extreme in 30 years. And the times every other one, you snap. You just, it basically it's a value growth bet here. Right, uh, Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a similar theme, essentially. So, mm -hmm. of course, I'm, I'm in favor of it. And, you know, an important thing to think about, you know, we, we often talk about spreads on this show. I think it makes a lot of sense to, at times for people to try to look to credit trades when you're looking for options. So selling uh, put credit spreads, selling call credit spreads can make a lot of sense. Uh, but the thing is that options are very cheap here. And so actually what I would recommend instead, buying these calls gives you at relatively low cost some upside exposure. And as the market moves, you will have the opportunity over the course of the next three months in the case of Brian's trade, which expires at the end of September, to make needed adjustments. You could, of course, if it goes up, you can roll to a higher strike call. You could sell shorter dated calls against it and work your way into a diagonal. Or if the market should turn and fall and implied volatility will rise, number one, that's gonna help support the value of your call even though this, the market itself has gone against you. But you could also then look to sell some downside uh, put credit spreads to help offset any decay that you have. So it, it gives you something to trade against uh, as well as maintaining some bullish exposure after a great run, looking for a catch up and taking advantage of low options premiums. All right, let's take a quick break here for everything Options Action. Check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. What do Apple, Tesla, and Home Depot options all have in common? This. Right now is the time to consider all of them, even and especially if you already own those stocks. We'll explain why and analyze each one in depth next. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome back to Options Action. The first half of the year is in the books, as we discussed in the last block. Some outsized moves and a few names really helped the power of the markets. Um, one of them being Apple shares surging nearly 50% this half, with the company also hitting a $3 trillion market value today. But can the Granny Smith gains continue, or is this Apple about to turn sour? Carter, what do the charts tell you? Oh, I'm all about fading Apple, but that's not a popular theme. <laughs> but it's important to note that Apple, remarkably, we were sitting here at the end of Q3, right, September 30, and here we are now at the end of Q2, 2023. Nine months later, Apple's relative performance to the Qs peaked September 30. It is actually underperforming its peers group. Here is a ratio chart that depicts that. And if you look at this next iteration, you'll see that basically those peaks, we've checked back to trend fairly consistently. I think this underperformance, remarkable as this, continues. Mm, no. um, Apple yeah. itself, in terms of the chart, look, it's, it's made a new high. You can see that here. Uh, the question is, do you stay with it? 
do you trim it? You've got to trim if you're long. You don't have to do anything, but I certainly would. And with new money buying here, I think you're uh, making a mistake. All right. So you clearly don't like Apple where it is right now. Mike, you say it's almost ridiculous not to use options to play Apple here. I mean, options are really cheap. I mean, think about something Carter just said, you know, that it's it's underperforming. This is a stock that's up 50 percent year to date. I mean, it's a remarkable thing to think that a stock that has performed so well could possibly be underperforming anything. What that speaks to, though, I think, is the degree of exuberance that we see in so many stocks. I mean, Tesla's up, what, 130 percent year to date. You know, Oracle has obviously seen some great numbers. Meta's up over 100 percent. Uh, so a lot of the biggest tech darlings have seen runs that are, are almost unprecedented. But, you know, kind of similar to what we were talking about in, in the first block here, uh, options premiums are quite low. And we were talking about how low they are in RSP. They're actually much lower even in Apple. Uh, at the money, longer dated call options are at five-year lows in terms of premiums uh, right here. And if you've enjoyed these kinds of moves, uh, I think that it, it makes good sense to consider replacing long stock positions, or if you are deploying new capital, something I know that Carter's not in favor of, using calls instead. I was looking out to October, the 195 calls. When I was looking at those earlier today, those were about eight bucks. I think they closed higher than that, uh, partially because the stock rose another dollar or so going into the close. And in much the same way we were talking about this, giving you some measure of flexibility, you can look to spread diagonals, verticals, roll, um, sell downside, put credit spreads if the stock comes in, although I would only do that if it came in quite considerably because the valuation of Apple at 32 times earnings and given their current growth projections seems a little bit heady to me uh, at this point. All right, let's get to another big winner of the first half. That would be Tesla. Shares continuing to power higher, now up 112% so far this year. But Brian says while there still could be some more upside in the stock, there's a safer way to play an extended run. How do we do that, Brian? Yeah, I mean, same sort of thesis here, right? It's it's to buy calls, or in this case, I'm looking at buying a call spread. Uh, we have earnings coming up in July, July 20th. We're going to get some sales numbers next week on how they're doing. We're still seeing inventories build a little bit. There's some risk in the stock. But this is a stock I bought as it started to break out above this 212 area, 215, right above there. And now it's like, what do I do? And a lot of investors come to me as an investment advisor and say, I want all the upside and none of the downside. Well, I mean, that's impossible, right? But we can use options here to sort of limit that risk, basically, and take away all the risk of the profits I've made from purchasing the stock. So I can sell out of my stock position right here and purchase a call spread, basically the 260-310 call spread. I can go out a couple months in expiration on this, looking all the way out to August, and spend $15.50. And now, so basically... I spend fifteen fifty. I get to make money all the way up to three ten. I think there's some areas of resistance there in the stock. Obviously, that takes valuations considerably high, considering it's already trading at seventy times forward-looking earnings here. So, I still want to participate, and I would even be willing to buy two call spreads for every one hundred shares of stock that I start to dump and sell away. So now I get double the upside basically from that two seventy-five fifty break-even level all the way up to three ten. And think about it. I'm spending fifteen fifty. If I'm buying double, I'm paying twice the premium then. But thirty bucks of premium that basically limits me to my losses on the downside. I can capture all these profit that I made from buying the stock a lot lower and still get double the upside here. So that is somewhat of a give me all the upside, none of the downside. I'll have a little bit of downside, but not that much, and still participate up. How does that chart look, D. Carter? 
Well, it's a rally to a difficult level. Uh, by my work, we can look at it here. We know that the stocks peak at 415. Uh, we've recouped half of the losses from the all-time high, but you can see the trend line there. We're up against a level where it has hit its head before. I think you'd take profits, trim, write calls, do something before someone does it for you. Mike, what's your take on Brian's trade? There are two things I, I like about it. One is something that we don't often talk about, which is, you know, how many contracts should you buy when you're, you're trading an option spread relative to how much stock you would own? He referenced talking about two call spreads relative to owning 100 shares of stock. I think it's important that people recognize that however much capital you're willing to commit to owning the stock, it's really how much you're risking, which is how much the stock can move around. That should really dictate how much you spend on the options. But you know, very unlike RSP, very unlike Apple, Tesla options aren't particularly cheap. I mean, these are trading at 55, 60 vol. Part of that is related to earnings. Part of that is related to the fact that the stock really moves. And that's one of the reasons why using a call spread as a replacement for a stock position or two call spreads, as he outlined, makes more sense than simply buying a call, as I think it makes sense to do in a lot of other spaces. All right, let's round out these trades with a look at a name that hasn't had such a hot first half, and that would be Home Depot shares are actually negative for the year, down about 2%. But Carter sees something uh, constructive in this name. Carter, what do you see? Right, so this is the circumstance, again, where do we stay with the steep and extended names, or do we harvest, take profits if you have them, and put it into something that's lagged? Two charts on Home Depot. doesn't matter whether you call it a cup and handle. It has all the elements of a reversal, something that's lagged, and now putting the downtrend. Uh, we're just about to move above that line. I like Home Depot. I think it's contrarian. And I would note this. Its relative performance to the home builders is literally at 15, 20-year lows. Wow. Uh, Mike, how do you trade this? Well, I mean, the home builders have been doing very well. I think a lot of people expected the home builders not to perform as well in a higher rate environment. Uh, but just the fact that we were undersupplied for so long has essentially meant that we've been able to sustain significant demand. It's interesting. I mean, there's a couple ways to gauge investor sentiment. Obviously, technical analysis, one of them. We also look to the options markets to gauge sentiment. And the sentiment remains very strong in sectors like real estate, in the home builders, in high yield and, and things like this. So I think right now, trading at probably a one and a half, two turn discount to its historical multiple, only 25% above its pre-pandemic high. Uh, I think here, too, with relatively low options premiums, we could just look out to September buy those 315 calls. Uh, those, you know, cost a little less than nine bucks, I think, or maybe a bit more depending on where the stock traded. That's where they were when I was looking at them. Uh, that's a way that you can get some upside exposure. And once again, uh, you know, I want to emphasize, you, you do a trade like this. It's, it's not just to set it and forget it and hold it all the way till September expiration. This gives you uh, essentially a point from which you can then start doing other things. If the stock starts to rally, you can look to adjust, roll, spread, uh, you know, or potentially sell some credit spreads if and as we see the thing, you know, languish a little bit and we see an uptick in implied volatility. It's just a tough environment to sell options premium right here, though, in a lot of names like this one. Yeah. Brian, what do you make of the trade here? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the autos, what they've done, the home builders, they're giving some insight that there is upside. And I think Home Depot is is basically going to play catch up here. It's got to do that. Uh, basically, look at the consumer discretionary. I'm becoming a little bit more and more bullish in that sector. I've been bearish at the beginning of the year, but now when we see some of these other areas of consumer discretionary start moving significantly higher, Home Depot might be another one that participates with everybody. So I love the trade, buying calls, risking a little bit to make a lot on the upside and have unlimited upside when you purchase those calls. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. 
All right. Up next, we are taking your tweets. More options action in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, how would you trade Oracle after this recent rise and subsequent pullback? Brian, what's your take? Yeah, I'd be looking to maybe hedge this position here. The stock bounced off the 116 and a half level. So right below there, I'd be looking to maybe buy a put spread, the 115, 105 put spread against it. But I continue to own this stock. So there still could be a whole lot of upside, but, you know, own some protection here. The run's been enormous. Yeah, uh, Carter, just quickly, how does this chart look? Well, that's right. So a massive breakout, a 10% pullback, and now stabilizing. I think it's a viable pullback. All right. Next tweet asks, with nat gas on the upswing, how should we play it? Looking at Boyle and UNG nat gas funds specifically. Mike? So uh, these are two interesting vehicles. They tend to have fairly substantial roll costs. So uh, as trading vehicles, I think they're fine if you're looking for a short-term move. I wouldn't make this... A long-term investment. So if you're if you're leaning on doing a short-term trade, these are instruments that I think you can use, and they have some optionality built into them. Boyle is a levered ETF. If you're looking longer term, I'd probably look to the oil service space, maybe a Schlumberger or, or a Halliburton, and if you're being more speculative, Chenier Energy. All right. Our next fan asks: Would you be inclined to weigh in on the J.P. Morgan Equity Premium Income ETF? Carter, do you feel so inclined? <laughs> Sounds <laughs> so, like you writing it, actually. <laughs> I'm inclined to weigh in, and I'm inclined to buy it. It's a fantastic instance of a bearish to bullish reversal. It's got a 7.9% yield, and uh, this is the kind of thing that one wants to put trimmed profits in Apple into. All right, and we uh, have another tweet here. Unusual volume open ask activity spotted in the IWM ETF. Call debit spreads 205, 210 for August 4th expiration. A low risk bet on a rally in the Russell. Your thoughts, Mike? Uh, you know, I like this. I might look a little further out than August 4th, but you know, this actually is very much uh, in line with the theme that we were talking about at the beginning. Small caps were big laggards. IWM represents them. I think call spreads make a lot of sense here. All right. Up next, final call. Time for the final call. Carter Braxton Worth. If you have to be long or want to be long, it's better to be long the DIA or the IWM rather than SPY. Brian Sutlin. Yeah, we're in the uh, Tesla red underneath for a reason. I'm buying call spreads in Tesla. Probably going to dump some of my stock and continue to play call spreads to the outside. Mike Coe. Calls are cheap in a lot of places, including Apple, and they are a better way to play the upside than owning the stock after this run. That does it for us. Tech Check is up next. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. All opinions expressed by the Options Action participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Options Action participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Options Action Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Options Action Disclaimer. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.